Jesus fans, welcome to True North Podcast, where we grow closer to God together. This podcast was brought to you by Solid Rock Church in Irving, Texas, and our host, Pastor Ed Snyder. To find out more about this podcast, visit our website at truenorthdfw.org. Now let's join Pastor Snyder in a new direction and a new destination. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of True North Podcast. We're so glad that you are with us today, our loyal listeners. We appreciate you very much. It is Christmas time. So let's stay tuned. Let's stay close. Get a cup of coffee. We're going to be talking about what Christmas brings. So we'll be right back. everybody we're back at little scott holmes a peaceful winter to kind of get us into the christmas mood we are in a season where we're going to feel all kinds of things it's a busy time i always tease and say yeah tis the season to be busy we've got dinners and we have church events and we have christmas plays and we have school if you've got school age kids you've got those programs to attend it's just a real busy time this time of the year of course we feel all kinds of emotions some positive and some eh, not so positive but this time of the year brings about a lot of gift buying. Fact matter, a lot of times we buy gifts that we don't have the money for. And so we've got to be very careful. It also brings about a time of Christmas carols, uh, family traditions, eggnog. And of course, in my opinion, if you drink eggnog, I need to pray for you. Anyway, so we have the, let's go back to those family traditions. Those are always a good thing. I know in our personal family, in the Snyder family, we love to be together, not only for Christmas, but also for Thanksgiving. Eat together and relax and just have a great time just with our family. And so it's a, a lot of good things. But what does Christmas bring? And of course, we really, if we really think about it, and, and of course, if if you are listening to this podcast and you're a part of a church, you're going to hear, if you haven't already, uh, your pastor say the real reason for the season is the birth of Christ. And that is very, very true. But what does the Christmas story revolve around? What does the birth of Christ really revolve around? Of course, it, it goes around uh, or is based on four words, love, joy, peace, and hope. Let's dive a little bit into those four categories, those four words that the Christmas story is really based on. And of course, we'll start out with love. 
And sometimes our world has really misinterpreted what love really is, and it ends up being lust instead of love. Love goes way deeper than lust or the appearance of it. By definition, love is a profound, uh, tender, passionate affection for one another, for a person, a feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection. Uh, as for a parent or a child or a friend, it's that emotion that goes beyond the faults. It goes beyond the shortcomings. When we really love someone, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what their shortcomings are. We love this person. Our world needs a real dose of love, real love, true love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not uh, behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, uh, thinks no evil. And so again, folks, in the in the King James version, that's the new or new King James. But in the King James version, it it talks about how love does not keep an account. When we truly love someone, and they experience a shortcoming, they experience something that perhaps is not liked, appreciated, or uncomfortable. Love does not hold that against that person. We forgive, we move on, we help, we we are a blessing. So one thing love does require is all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and a complete trust. Love is something in this holiday season we need to pay attention to. And of course, if we can adapt love, if we can get a hold of the true meaning of love, then folks, we're going to we're going to feel something that is uh, exciting. We're going to feel something that is um, deep. Um, let's see. It's going to feel something not normal to some people. But this, not just in this season that we love people. It's every day we need to exercise loving one another. In fact, the Bible speaks about how deep our love needs to go. And in fact, it even says in the family environment that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And so we really need to pay attention during this holiday season is to reconnect fall back in love with our spouses, love our children, no matter how much they get on our nerves. We need to love unconditionally because love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, and it thinks no evil. The second thing that we need to look at, or the second word that the Christmas story is really based around, and of course, that is joy. You know, we sing the joy to the world. Uh, Our world really needs joy. And of course, who best can give that than one that is filled 
with the source of real joy, the filled with the Spirit of God. Now, again, by definition, joy is the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exponentially good or satisfying. It's a keen pleasure. Uh, it is a source or cause of that keen pleasure and delight, something or someone greatly valued or appreciated. That is by Webster's definition of what joy is. And sometimes we get a little messed up in our minds and we think joy is, is in cars. Uh, joy is in the big, beautiful home that we live in. Joy is in the amount of money that is in the bank account. Folks, it can bring joy. You know, we can feel joyful that we got a new car. Nothing wrong with that. Or we're able to purchase a a new home, a a new construction, uh, uh, you know, a brand new house nobody's ever lived in. Boy, that that's exciting. You know, that that causes some some exponentially good satisfaction that we've worked so hard and we're able to buy that new house. That's good. That that that's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. And of course, if you work hard, make the money, uh, pay your bills and save your uh, in, you know, your extra money, you put it in the bank and you save it and you get a little nice nest egg. And of course, you pay your tithes and you give your offerings. However, when we get that that amount of money in the bank, of course, it can bring some real satisfaction, but that money can disappear and that house can burn down and that car can be totaled out in an accident in a matter of seconds. Where's the joy? And the joy that we really need today is real joy found deep within us that's caused by the Spirit of God that's within us. Why can't we feel real joy? Why can't the world understand what real joy means and not only what it means, but where real joy comes from? What is the source of real joy? Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those whom nothing is prepared. Uh, Does that sound like giving? Does that say give to somebody that is not prepared or maybe doesn't have anything? That verse goes on to say, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so again, the Bible, there is a command in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, do not sorrow. In other words, don't waller in your self-pity. Don't waller in the things that are not so good, for the joy of the Lord is is your strength. You need to get in God. Let the Lord bless you and and think on the things that God has blessed you with. It may not be a new home, but it's a roof. It's a place to live. It's warm in the winter and cool in the summer. It may not be a brand new Maserati, but it's four wheels and it runs and it gets you there. You know, it may not be six figures or seven figures in the bank, you know, but it there's some cash there, and you're paying your bills, and you, your lights are not getting shut off. Somewhere in our lives, 
there's something good to think about. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's go to Psalm chapter 16 and verse number 11. The Bible says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, folks, there's there's something valuable in there. If you will show me the path of life, that's that's really having not only faith in God, but dependency on God. You will show me. That's David talking to the Lord. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. David is recognizing that when I am in your presence, I have joy. Now, that next phrase that David says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How do we get pleasures? Well, if we study into the deity of Christ, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was set down at the right hand of the throne of God, not as the second person of the Godhead, but what the right hand represents is the hand or the arm of power in God. So Jesus Christ was the extension of power to cry uh, from God onto the face of the earth. And how David goes back before it actually before Christ and says, "At your right hand are pleasures forevermore." How do we get those pleasures? How do we get those things? Perhaps that that we we need a miracle. We, we need something that is going to bring some pleasure in our life, some relief from the stressful days, some, some peace into our life, which we're going to talk about next. However, at your right hand are pleasures, not for a season, not for December to January, but forevermore, I have peace within your power within your presence when you show me the path of life. The third word that the Christmas story is built around, of course, is peace. Oh, do we ever hear a lot about that? I mean, you know, the beauty pageants, these beautiful young women that they, some of them's got degrees. I'm not going to be uh, negative here, but, you know, they, they get up and make the statement, I just want world peace. Okay, do you even know how to produce world peace? You know, we always want peace. I just need some peace and quiet. You know, we get stressed out. The kids are screaming. They're running. They're tearing the drywall off the walls and everything else. I just need some peace. Okay, let's again, let's go back to the definition of what that word means. (laughs) And I thought this was kind of funny that Webster starts out the definition of peace, the normal. (laughs) What is normal in 2021 going into 2022. Kind of comical after a pandemic and everything that we've been through. But the normal, non-warring condition of a nation, a, a group of nations, or the world, an agreement or a treaty between warring or antagonistic nations, groups, etc., to end hostilities. Peace is to end hostilities and abstain 
from further fighting or antagonism, or in other words, active hostility or opposition between groups. So if we want peace, we need to obtain peace by coming to an agreement or a treaty. If you're at odds with somebody, if you are at war with somebody, perhaps in your family, on your workplace, uh, wherever, you've got to come to terms. You've got to come to an agreement. You know, uh, if nothing else, you've got to agree to disagree and move on and appreciate that person for the good things that's within them, to end hostilities and abstain from further fighting. That's what really peace is all about. So peace is not the responsibility of the other person. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to produce peace in our life. Everybody wants world peace, but very few want to do anything about world peace to lay down the sword, to, to holster the gun, so to speak, to say, okay, I'm done. I, I'm, we're we're going to stop this bickering and fighting. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, and here's something that should maybe to some hit us right between the eyes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So again, folks, I go back to the point that I just made a few minutes ago. It's not really the other person's responsibility to produce peace. It's ours, because if we want to be blessed, the Bible said, blessed are the peacemakers, are the person that makes peace, the person that says, okay, you know what? We're done. We're not going to be fighting anymore. This is not getting anywhere. We just keep going in circles. What sense does this make? We need, in our world today, peacemakers, people that wants and desires to make peace. The fourth word and final word that is that the Christmas story is really built around is hope. Hope. Wow. That word brings a lot. We hear that word quite a bit in our life, almost as much, if not more, than the peace and love. But hope, I, I, I need hope in my life. Man uh, or humanity needs hope in their life. If we don't have hope, ladies and gentlemen, if we have nothing to look forward to, if we don't have something that we can fix our attention on and say, you know what, tomorrow is going to be better. I, I believe that that things are going to be better. And, and so we've got to really take a deep look. Now, again, by definition, hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the, the, for the best. Hope, by definition, is to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence to believe, to desire, to trust, to feel that something desired just may happen. Years ago, I mean years ago, uh, at our one of our general conferences, a pastor by the name of Pastor Brown 
who has, unfortunately, just a couple of years after he sang this song at our general conference, passed away. But the words to that song uh, still ring in my mind and heart today. I have hope when trouble comes my way. I have hope since Jesus has come to stay. I have hope, oh yeah, when things are not well with me. I have hope. It's a beautiful hope that sets me free. I'm talking to somebody in this podcast today. You need hope. Trouble has come your way. Hope will help you. And if Jesus will come to stay in your life, hope comes with it. When things are not well, we've got hope. If you've got nothing left but God, within God there is hope for a better tomorrow. We need hope in our world today. It is, ladies and gentlemen, it, it is absolute, it is essential for us to place our hope in the right place. We cannot place our hope in man because man fails. Man does not have the ability to see into the future and adjust the sales. We cannot put our hope in finance because finance will fail. Tomorrow, we can wake up in the morning and the market can be crashing, we, and, and God forbid. But we have a very uncertain future we cannot put hope in. Our hope has to be placed in the right place. And when our hope is placed within God, God has the ability to look into the future and see that and adjust our sails. God has the ability to undergird us, put his hand not only underneath us, but over us and put us in the cleft of a rock and protect us from the storms that comes our way. It is essential that we place our hope in the right place. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number one, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith and hope are intertwined. If you, if you have faith, you're going to have hope. But you cannot have hope without faith because hope takes a belief a belief that tomorrow is going to be better. Faith is where that comes in. We have hope that God is going to answer this prayer. We have hope that God is going to heal this loved one. We have hope that God is going to bless us financially, physically, emotionally. But folks, the hope rests in God who we have faith that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can even ask or think of. So our faith is the substance. It's tangible in our emotions. In other words, we can feel faith grace through us that will produce hope and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11, if you'll read that maybe after this podcast and read that chapter through, it's what I like to call the faith chapter, because all through the Hebrews 11, everything was made possible because they had faith 
in their confidence and assurance or their hope in God. Oh, I have hope when trouble comes my way. I have hope since Jesus has come to stay. I have hope, amen. Oh yeah, when things are not well with me, I have hope. It's a beautiful hope that sets me free. I'm telling you folks, we have hope for a better tomorrow, and our hope was that it be bathed in faith and placed in our God. So what Christmas brings when we realize what the Christmas story is all about, what does Christmas bring to us and our families and our world is to be a better place, and that's going to be based on obtaining love and obtaining joy and obtaining peace and obtaining hope because those are the things that the Christmas story is built on. We have to obtain them. Next Monday, we're going to be talking about what Christmas brings opportunity, the opportunity that Christmas brings. Stay close. We appreciate you joining us here. Go visit us on our website, truenorthdfw.org. And again, I want to say thank you for being a faithful, loyal listener here to True North Podcast. If you would, uh, click the link, share it with your friends and family members, share it out there on your social media. We would deeply appreciate helping us promote the podcast. Until then, God bless you and have a great day on purpose. Thank you for joining us at True North Podcast. You can find us on iHeartRadio or any other podcasting platform. If you want to have any questions, visit us at truenorthdfw.org. We'll catch y'all next week.